Welcome everybody to the Wrong Foot podcast. This is episode one, the uh, the kickoff, as we would like to say, of this soccer slash football podcast. My name is Rich Leach, uh, here joined by my co-host Joe Braga. Joe, how are you? Lovely. We just wrapped up a wonderful World Cup group stage, the last one ever with 32 teams, and uh, we'll try to drown out our disappointment with that over the next little bit. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. It's uh, yeah, a, a cap tip to the, the 32 uh, expanding in the future, but that's almost a perfect segue in, in what we're here to talk about today. We're going to go over everything that's happened. Uh, so if you've been sleeping for the last couple of weeks and haven't heard what's been going on in the World Cup, hopefully we can give you some insight into that. And then also looking forward to uh, the, the knockout stages that are coming up uh, over this next week. Uh, just for some context of who I am, who I support, uh, Born and raised in Exeter in the southwest of England, big Exeter City fan. Uh, when you grow up in such a city in England, you usually have a Premier League team. Mine, uh, much to Joe's disgust, is Liverpool. I uh, grew up for many years through their unsuccessful years and now they've improved. Uh, I am also born to Welsh parents. I'm the first generation born outside of Wales. So uh, if I hadn't supported Wales over England, I think I probably would have been drowned at birth. Uh, so didn't have much choice about that. Joe, how about you? Where's your uh, your interest in, in the football world? So as you can tell by my accent, I'm an American. Uh, so living up here in uh, actually New England, uh, Massachusetts right now. And um, I support in the English Premier League the wonderful, the greatest team to ever exist, Tottenham Hotspur. Uh, so, I'm used, <laughs> so as you can tell, I'm used to winning things. And uh, both my parents are actually uh, were born in Portugal. So I've always kind of uh, had a soft spot for the Portuguese along with uh, my Yankees. Yeah, I, uh, I I married a Portuguese woman, so I uh, I've tried to kind of hang on to that, so I don't have to root for my my homeland of England. So I'm gonna go down the Portuguese route. Canada did not impress, Wales did not impress, but hopefully Portugal can hang around a little bit longer. Um, so yeah, let's dive straight into it. We'll go kind of group by group, uh, take a look at how it all shaped out, and then kind of talk about some of the highlights, lowlights of each group. So we begin with uh, Group A. Netherlands end up taking the top spot with Senegal progressing in second. Ecuador, uh, I didn't think Ecuador showed too much. They weren't that bad, but, uh, you know, they could have squeaked through, but they, they weren't able to. Um, and then our hosts, uh, Joe, I think these were probably the worst hosts we've ever had at a World Cup in terms of not getting into the polit the politics behind it all, but just in terms of the actual team's performances and, and their outing in the tournament. I think you could say it was the worst uh, host by any metric. Uh, so, uh, so we can dive into it. what was uh, what's your uh, main takeaway from this group if you had one? Um, I think my main takeaway is the Netherlands are not that great. Um, I think they can probably when we get into the next round. I I, I think pre-tournament I had them winning this group, um, but they didn't really impress me most games they kind of left it late to really take get the result um i just worry about i know gapco keeps scoring but i i don't really see a lot there beyond that how about you yeah so i think my number one takeaway is actually just how poor qatar were um <laughs> i i wasn't necessarily expecting them to advance out of this group but i, I thought they would show something i mean you know it's just uh, just really a wretched performance i mean one goal over the course of 270 minutes 
um, you know, as you know, every host has at least gotten a win or a draw in their first first match, and they yeah. lost to Ecuador, who didn't even advance out in the first game. And I don't, I mean, there was no game. I think every game they were down at halftime. Uh, obviously, the first game they were down two 0 at half uh, against the uh, against Senegal. They were down two nothing before they scored in the late you know 80th minute or whatever it was right and then in the final game against netherlands kind of a dead rubber for them because they were already eliminated but there was really in my estimation there was really no home crowd uh just trying to get a world cup win even if you just get one just salvage something um i mean even with the 14 world cup there's no guarantee cutter will ever be back in a, a world cup anytime soon so you know you wanted them to go out in blades of glory at least give these you know these poor qatari uh individuals who've had to bankroll this this tournament out of uh you know no regard to themselves in a lot of instances and um you know they just unfortunately just provided almost nothing and it, it's disappointing because a lot of times in these world cups the world the the host nation is a big is a big storyline going forward and we just don't have that angle at all this world cup which is unfortunate yeah and they and they never even looked like making a noise right like they never even were really in it they never had a chance it wasn't like they even took it to the last the last game of the of the groups they were just kind of dead and buried on arrival um which yeah very sad and it kind of yeah takes the crowd out of it you know when when the crowd shows up you know there's been a lot of talk around the attendance at some of these games uh you would hope at least the locals would have shown up for those games and you know they didn't have anything to shout about uh no. yep and then i think um just quickly about ecuador the other team eliminated since we won't be able to talk about them you know further at this tournament <laughs> um very disappointed i, I actually pegged them to win this group before i know a lot of people obviously didn't but i didn't think netherlands were that very good and i, and I still think i'm still a little iffy on them honestly going forward um and it just you know it, you know i thought ecuador actually when they played the netherlands in that second game after beating qatar i thought they looked they much the better team in that in that uh, match they they got down a girl uh, early because it got Gakpo just a fantastic strike mm-hmm. um but I thought they looked better, the better team. Um, you know, the XG was higher. And I thought, you know, a draw was a, probably a fair result. But if anyone were to get the three points out of that game, it would be them. Yeah. And then the final match, only needing a draw against Senegal. Right. Um, you know, maybe that's an interesting thing that we can try and figure out as we go through. But it feels like a lot of these teams that only needed a draw to advance going into that final match just failed <laughs> dramatically. It's like they had the wrong mindset going in. Yeah. Um, yeah, and, and I, th- I think. I, you know, I, go ahead. I was gonna say I think it didn't really play into their strengths either. Like they got some pace, they're good at going forward, and to try and just play for a draw is I don't think it was ever gonna work. I don't think it suited them, and I think they would have been better off just trying to win the game. And like you say, I think we saw that a few times with a few different teams throughout this. Yep, and it, and it, as soon as they scored against uh, Senegal, they they quickly gave up a goal again uh, right. to go back level, so uh, to go back down a goal. So, I just think it's you know disappointing for them. I think uh, especially in this group, when you have a team as bad as Qatar, I think in in is in a top team as far as Netherlands that was just kind of eh as they were. I think it's right. really disappointed, and I think it's disappointing not to at least advance into the uh, knockout stages. 
for sure. Yeah, I had them pegged in, in second place and advancing with the Netherlands, so I was shocked when uh, they didn't do that. But who are your, uh, well, either a team or an individual were your winners in this uh, in this group? I think the winner of this group uh, has to be, um, I, I think there's two that I'm debating between. So hopefully I don't I don't steal yours. <laughs> I think I know where you're gonna go with this. So I'm gonna say Louis Van Hall, um, not because he did anything fantastic, but obviously with his cancer diagnosis before this tournament, right. um, you know I, I know it weighed heavily upon a lot of the Dutch, and I don't think he necessarily did anything amazing in this tournament. Um, you know the two wins against weaker opposition um, in you know, somewhat against the run of play, specifically against Senegal. But I think it's just a great story um, that this Dutch team that had fallen on such hard times on qualifying for the Euros in recent memory, kind of all over the place when they had uh, Peter De Boer, uh, one of the worst coaches I've ever seen as their manager. Um, Once they, you know, got into this tournament, it was always like, can they, they should win this group. Can they get out? They didn't look fantastic, but they got out of the group. So, you know, I'm going to give Louis Van Hall the winner of this group. Yeah, I think uh, to kind of go outside of the group of the winner here, I think the USA are probably the winners here um, in terms, and we'll get to their group next. But I think uh, I'd much rather face the Netherlands than Senegal in the knockout stages. I think they're much more predictable, um, a lot less physical for the most part. Uh, I think England would have done better against the Netherlands, not to say that they're going to lose to Senegal, but I think uh, it suits that matchup would have suited England's style a lot more. So I think the USA, knowing what they're getting uh, with the Netherlands, is is a nice first knockout round match there. So, yeah, that kind of segues us into Group, group B, which saw England top the group, USA going oh, through in second. Oh, Sorry, go ahead. Just first, before, before we jump to Group B, I just want to give a quick loser in Group A. Oh, sure. And I have to go. There's only one person you can go with in Group A. I have to go with the king of Qatar, <laughs> Tamin bin Hamad El Tain. Just a horrific performance, both off on the field and then off the field. I don't know how many people are uh, planning to visit Doha anytime soon. Yeah, I uh, I don't think there's any other losers that we we touched on at the top. It was uh, it was a lose from even before the start of this tournament. Uh, <laughs> to the end uh for them and you know we don't like i say we're not going to get into the politics of it all but even the performances on the field were just so disappointing i don't even think they've grown the game at all by having this world cup there um so yeah into into group b england top usa second iran finishing in third uh which i think was helped by uh my my very disappointing wales outing for their first world cup in 64 years the first of my lifetime um i was very happy when we beat uh when we beat ukraine to qualify uh i was happy to be there and then about a week or two before the tournament started it shifted from happy to be there to like yeah we can progress we're gonna do well we're gonna show up we'll make some noise um the second half of the usa game gave me hope oh yeah we still can make some noise um and then after that it was just terrible there was nothing good to say about Wales. We don't need to go too far into my complaining. Otherwise, we'll be here all night. Um, but congrats, <laughs> congrats to you guys. And you guys end up finishing second. So what are your thoughts uh, over all of this group? Well, one of our teams had to get out, right? Uh, <laughs> oh, we could have both qualified. <laughs> oh, I mean, I don't know about that. But it was looking for a while there. Neither team was going to get out. True. So, um, yeah, I think 
as far as this group goes, and I, it's very hard to know how to uh, how to feel about this group, um, in the sense that I don't know how good this group actually wound up being. Right. Um, and, and you know, as you know, in our conversations that we had before the tournament, uh, I was not pretty high on the Welsh for <laughs> progress. Right, rightly so. <laughs> um, you know, Gareth Bale, as great as he is, obviously I love him, but uh, just wasn't in his prime fitness uh before this tournament it showed i mean getting taken off in the last game at yeah. halftime is i think says it all i mean you can talk about how terrible Aaron ramsey was uh i don't think we need to get into wayne Hansey's <laughs> uh brain dead red card yeah. but uh yeah so i think from the wells perspective it's it's disappointing especially that last game against england because i mean you can attest to this far more than i can uh it's such a rivalry um <laughs> for the Welsh specifically, and just to have gotten a draw like Scotland did uh, in the most recent Euros when they faced England, I think that would have at least left you with a bit of a better taste in your mouth. And for sure. you know, I just um, I, I think the the main game in this in this group wound up being U.S. and Iran. And we can, I mean, I don't know how far we want to get into my thoughts on Triple G. Greg uh, <laughs> Greg Bohota, the uh, manager of of USA, but. Um, I thought that match wound up being um, the biggest match of this group, and I, I'd be interested in your perspective uh, as a neutral on that match. What you thought about that particular match? So, and I think we, we we've spoken about this a little bit. I think for me, the USA did nothing wrong this whole tournament so far. You, if you look at each game, uh, you could argue now with how poor Wales are in 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 the next two games that that second half against Wales that they just didn't adjust to Kiefer Moore and let Wales back into the game so maybe that 45 minutes was probably the biggest letdown the England game I thought the USA did very well like they contained a team that just hit six against Iran um you know they've got goals in that team they've got experience and then coming into the Iran game they needed a win they got the goal I thought they were playing very well up until the goal and then they just tried to, to close out the game, which they did. I can't really point to. I know there was probably um, some kind of close chances that you felt were a lot closer. But as a, as a neutral, I didn't really feel Iran were really knocking on the door and kind of could feel hard done by by losing that game. I just think that they one of the biggest issues with, with the U.S. is I don't know that they have the strength in depth. I think they've got kind of maybe a good... 13 14 players but you know these games especially now for some reason we're pay playing 10 minutes of stoppage time on each half uh legs are getting tired towards towards the end of the second half and i think uh i don't know that there's much on on the u.s bench to kind of mitigate some of that but i don't think i don't think they did a lot wrong i i was very positive about the u.s and that's why i kind of fancy them um against the netherlands because they seem to know what they can do they play within their, their limits, and yeah, they haven't put put many steps wrong. Yeah, I think uh, it's a little bit of a mixed bag. I think the, the larger point is if you were to tell me that they were going to qualify uh, out of this group, that was the expectation, and to do it without dropping um, any any losses against England or Iran or Wales, which was fantastic. Right. Only gave up one goal on a penalty because of a brain-dead decision by Walker Zimmerman. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, as, a, as an American, you can't really ask for too much more than that. Um, I think the disappointing thing for me, and I think you touched on it, was just the second half adjustments um, by Burhalter. I think mm -hmm. his first half decisions and the way he set up his teams 
in every match were correct, right. which is unlike how he qualified. It was like the opposite. During qualification, he would set up the team terribly and then make <laughs> halftime adjustments, and they'd look so much better. And then this tournament was kind of the opposite. Um, I think specifically, as you mentioned, with Wales, they couldn't they couldn't figure out how to stop Kiefer Moore. Yeah. Um, and then England, I think because it was a nil-nil, he managed a little bit differently, and I thought his subs in that game were particularly decent. And I think in the final game against Iran, I think he did something that just drives me nuts um, towards the end there, and he just got overly defensive. And against a team like Iran, that you can attack, and, and you can still try and push forward and get that second goal to really give you the... The, the breathing space that you need he just got overly defensive bringing on walker Zimmerman as a third central defender and it worked in the sense that they didn't give up a goal but i just think he was inviting too much pressure in the situation right. i understand if you're playing brazil or spain where you're not going to have possession i understand that but against a team like iran where you can take possession you can just milk the clock i think that would have been the vastly preferred approach so he's a young manager he has a young team so i don't I don't want to be too harsh on him, but I, I did see some <laughs> severe flaws that if he makes this mistake against the Netherlands again, if they get up early, I just I don't think they're going to survive it. Yeah, and I wonder how much with the Iran game, the Pulisic injury played into it as well. I think that obviously probably changed some of his plans. They also didn't then have him kind of, you could leave him up top and, and look to counter with him. Um, so I don't know if that kind of shifted things, but... In hindsight, it's easy to say, yeah, it worked, they didn't concede. If they had conceded, I think they would have been in a lot of trouble because you're basically then playing with about eight defenders to try and get a goal again. Um, so they were lucky that that wasn't the case. But I, I don't blame him for doing it. I think, like you say, the goal was to get out of the group. They've done that. Um, and I think they, I've been pretty impressed. Um, so your winner in this group of uh, Group B. I mean, you have to go with Greg Berhalter. I mean, he did what he had to do. And I think the prospects of him staying on as manager of the U.S. national team, you know, going forward, I think is it's much higher than it was if he didn't. So, uh, you know, I'd have to say that he's my winner from this group. Yeah, I think my winner is probably Gareth Southgate, as much as it hurts me to say. Um, I think the Wales game, making some changes, seeing some of the star power that he also has on the bench that he can lean into. Um is is a big positive for him i think he's got options um that if a game does need to be changed he's he's got that on the bench which as we go through some of these teams that have progressed and i've already mentioned about the u.s kind of squad depth is is not always there for some of those teams and i think uh albeit it was a second half performance against wales it, it still looked good they still look like they probably could have scored more rashford seems like he's put the demons of of recent years behind him um which is great for him i'm, I'm happy for him doing well uh, again, yep. as much as that pains me to say as a Man United player and England player, but I think, uh, yeah, if if not Southgate, I'd say Rashford's probably the winner there. Uh, your loser in this group. I'm going to go with Gio Reyna, not for anything that he did, but he played roughly 10 minutes and through three games. He is someone that I think is the most talented player on the U.S. national team, and for him not to get a look, I mean, there's obviously concerns about injury, but he did play 10 minutes against England, right. and then just to not play at all against Iran, and I think he's different, and he's better in possession, and can make passes that no one else on the team can make, so I think he's someone the U.S. needs to, needs to utilize going forward to get key goals and to relieve pressure, and if he's not part of the 14 or 15 guys that Greg is going to use going forward I think that's a major issue and do you think uh like 
I, you're probably a lot more attuned to this, but is it is it kind of political while he's not playing? Do you think he is actually hurt? Do you think there's an element that maybe they're trying to, to rest him? Like, you know, if, if the Iran game was going a different way, would we have seen him? But knowing that they were likely to progress in that game, save his legs if he, if he is carrying an injury? It's a very odd situation because his father, Claudio Reyna, was a former captain of the U.S. national team. Right. He was actually very close friends with Greg Berhalter. So, you know, you don't think there's any animosity there. Or it's right. just a question of what I think it is. is I just think that uh, Greg Berhalter likes to set up his team more defensively. And look, it worked. I mean, he only gave up one goal this entire group, which is incredible. I think they're the only team that didn't give up a goal in open play this entire tournament. Um, so I can't I, I'm not going to try and be overly critical there, but I just think he likes a solid midfield of Musa, McKinney and Tyler Adams. And when you do that, it just leaves less room um, for someone like Reyna. And he always wants to play a striker right. despite it being the weakest part of uh, the U.S. national team. So I just think it's kind of uh, he doesn't know where to use him. Right. Type deal. Yeah. So if we if we move on to my my loser of the group i'm uh, i'm gonna be selfish here and i'm gonna call myself the loser of this group um it was it was painful at times i've realized that since since uh that england game i've actually enjoyed the world cup a lot more now i've been able to distance myself from it and thinking about anything to do with wales but it was just uh wales did give didn't really give us anything to shout about the whole tournament like i say yes they scored the penalty that was like a big moment um but you know the england game the iran game they were never in it like i can't even really point to many chances where it's like you feel like you were robbed or anything it was just poor uh from start to finish so i'm gonna i'm gonna say i'm the loser of the group uh <laughs> and uh You're so you had so many options wayne hennessy gareth bale Aaron Ramsey. Well, yeah, I, maybe i should just say the nation of wales is, is the loser no. of this group uh it's you, yeah no matter what no matter what it was a great success even making the world cup well and, and this is what i always have to re like kind of detach myself from my fandom and say like you know there's three million people live in wales we, we don't have a lot of options and to, to even make it you know the smallest nation to ever qualify i think because obviously the hosts um they are automatically qualified and they were the only ones smaller this year um yeah so you know it's it's a proud achievement it's just like i say it would have been nice to at least be knocking on a door in a few games and, and have some stuff to shout about. But uh, enough said about that, like I say, otherwise I'll be here all night. And we can move on to <laughs> uh, to Group C, uh, where we saw Argentina, Argentina start off slow but end up winning the group and Poland advancing in second. Uh, I guess the biggest shock was how this group started with uh, Argentina's defeat to Saudi Arabia and then kind of things kind of course, course corrected from that point onwards. For sure. I, I think that, I mean, this is that, this is arguably maybe with Senegal in 2002 over the defending champs, France, and then in 1950 USA over uh, England won nothing. I mean, other than that, this is one of the biggest upsets in, in modern football history for, sure. um, for Saudi Arabia to beat Messi in his <laughs> swan, swan song in the World Cup in the final was just incredible. But I think, honestly, what wound up being the biggest story when we got down to it was that last minute, those last couple minutes of – the dual games, Argentina, Poland, and Mexico, Saudi Arabia, everything was in the balance. Mexico needed one more goal. They were going out because of yellow cards yeah. um, and the fair play rule. They needed a goal. They were battering the Saudi Arabia net, yeah. and they just cannot get the third critical goal that they needed to get out of this group. And I just, 
that drama right there is what I think we're going to miss so much from the, the next World Cup. We're not going to have that moment of all four teams playing at once. What is going to happen? This one goal is going to affect this game. And just that just kind of chaos is, is just so beautiful. It makes the, it's just a perfect ending to the, the World Cup group stages. For sure. And we'll get to, to a group in a moment where at one point everyone was through and everyone was out at various points throughout the game. So, yeah, I definitely uh, feel that we are going to miss that, uh, especially if it's just a group of three. That means just one team's going to be sat in the hotel watching and like where's the drama there right like i don't think uh it has that um kind of tense to it it doesn't you know people are hearing what's going on in the other game it completely shifts their game and it's yeah we're gonna miss that completely and i think yeah i was uh i had mexico pegged to go through with argentina here i was a little disappointed with them uh not to i think like you say they they were really knocking on the door and, and couldn't quite find it and poland you know you got Lew- Lewandowski. He's always going to be good for a goal here and there, so never write them off, and, and they managed to somehow squeak through in, in second place. Yeah, I think, um, yeah, you're dead on. I think, you know, as as someone who sees Mexico play constantly in CONCACAF, uh, I was very, I wasn't expecting much from this Mexican team. I think it's the weakest Mexican team in 20 years, mm-hmm. and it's kind of been proven by the fact that this is the first group uh, in seven tries that haven't gotten out of the group stage in I just think that, um, you know, Poland is nothing special. I mean, if, if you look, they 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 scored two goals this entire group, and they were both against Saudi Arabia. Right. Uh, I, and that was a game, and especially in the first half, was wide open, and either team could have been leading. Um, so for Mexico not to be able to get out of this group over a Poland team that is really just solid at the back, and even with Lewandowski, doesn't really offer much going forward, mm-hmm. I think that has to be a real disappointment. Um from Mexican fans because there's really no excuse not to get out of this group. Yeah, and when you're playing Saudi Arabia, like you you think you should be able to get goals there and they just couldn't quite get enough. And I think, uh, yeah, I think they'll be the most disappointed of, of a lot of teams that, that missed out. Uh, who were your uh, who were your winners or who was your winner in this group? Um, uh, you know, I, I think this one's a little bit difficult, but... Um, I'm just gonna go with the people of Saudi Arabia. I mean, uh, we, we, I mean the viral clip of uh, <laughs> them taking off the door. Um, I just think that just that even though obviously they they finished bottom and they didn't get out of that group, beating Messi and Argentina in that first game is a surreal moment that is probably never gonna happen again. Sure. And I just think that one moment encapsulates what the World Cup can be, and the beauty of this game. No matter who you are, no matter where you come from. You can be the Galacticos of Argentina. <laughs> Even if you get you know, played against, you can just do enough to get a goal, and in this case, two goals, just to do enough to survive. And um, you know, I think it's really just a... I think it could be something going forward that could really boost um, soccer in Argentina, uh, Saudi Arabia, excuse me. For sure. I think uh, my winner here, I'm going to keep it simple. I think it is Lionel Messi himself. Uh, you know, after that first game, it kind of looked like Oh, is this just another failure to to add to Messi's list of big tournaments and how he disappears and how he never performs? So I think uh, the fact they were able to turn it around, they look much more like the Argentina we expected in in the next couple of games. And I think, uh, yeah, I think he's got to be the winner here because 
otherwise if if if, the, if he just bowed out again it would it, it's just the tarnish that continues to be on his legacy is around how he's performed in the world cup how successful argentina have been they always do something to disappoint whether it's like in the later rounds somehow they're they're losing when they shouldn't be losing and this was nearly the same story yet again so i think he's the winner here uh who's who's your loser uh i have to go talk to martino um he's someone that i actually wanted to be the u.s manager instead of um greg berhalter he had you know amazing success at atlanta united fc i had high hopes for his his uh tenure as mexican manager mm-hmm. and you know i don't think this is completely his fault but he's already been relieved of his duties um for not getting out of the group and i just think it's it's really an unfortunate ending because um i had higher expectations for him in that role and they just failed to deliver yeah i think you you kind of stole my one there is looking at anyone around the mexico team like i said I, I thought they could at least progress um as they as you mentioned always do it seems like uh so it's very disappointing there beyond that i think uh, you already touched on it but the door in saudi arabia is obviously a loser here uh but the fans are the winner uh and we can uh, we can move on to group d uh, which saw France top the group as expected, but then the Socceroos, Australia finishing in second out of nowhere. Um, Tunisia kind of beat France's B team to finish third, and Denmark probably uh, beyond Germany and Belgium, one of the more disappointing outings in this World Cup, finishing bottom of this group and really couldn't keep up that momentum of a good outing in the Euros. Um, which was obviously clouded with good and bad that tournament for them, but they weren't able to keep that momentum going and, and they just crash out early here. Yeah, I think you, you basically nailed it just in that summation there. Um, if I think there's one other thing uh, in the next group we talk about that was more shocking than this, but if you were to tell me you know, two weeks ago that Australia <laughs> is not just, going to, not just going to get out of this group, would win two games, I would have been <laughs> flabbergasted. Um, you know, they, they even after that first game, they scored the original, the first goal. Uh, you know, Goodwin scored, and it it was just like a French onslaught yeah. after that. And um, it was, you know, it never looked like France was going to lose uh, once they scored the first goal. And it was almost like, how many are they going to score? And to go from that to grind out two one nil wins against. <laughs> more talented teams i mean tunisia and denmark are clearly more talented than australia but the the socceroos just hung tight uh or after giving up four goals in that first game just to to not give up another goal is just a tremendous tremendous um success and i think you know going forward it'll be very it'll be very interesting to see um, you know, we saw the crowds uh, in, in Australia, the wee hours in the morning celebrating. And I just think it's very interesting to see, you know, how they match up against Messi. Can they do something similar? Can they stymie them and maybe get a, you know, goal or, you know, God forbid, win a penalty kick. So <laughs> I, I just, you know, I, if you were to tell me one team before the tournament not to get out of the group, I think Australia would have been my second or third choice. I, yeah. I, I just, I'm honestly stunned that they got out of this group. Yeah, when they when they took the lead against France and then it quickly turned around to kind of st- how it should have been and they kind of got demolished the rest of that game. I was like, well, you know, the Australian fans, they'll always have that moment they were winning 1-0, right? Like that was their, <laughs> that was kind of like the peak of their tournament and that's how I saw it. And then it's yep. uh, it's only really been up from there and it's uh, it's always fun to see. There's all, I feel like there's always one or two teams that, that surprise us like this. And uh, yeah, the, the celebrations were wild and rightly so down, down under. Um, 
Denmark, like I say, very disappointing. Um, it, it's also, you know, this group of players, is it's not the youngest bunch that Denmark have ever had. So, you know, where do they go from here? Uh, I think they were, yeah, I think they'll be bitterly disappointed with, with how they looked. Who are your uh, winners or your winner in this group? Uh, I'm going to go with the Australian A-League, uh, the top flight soccer league in Australia. It's it's fallen on hard times. I've looked at some of the attendance. There's like 3,000, 4,000 people at these games. Um, a, a number of these players in Australia play in the A-League. So I'm hoping that uh, this result will give the A-League a little boost and uh, we can uh, kind of help revive soccer a little bit in Australia. Yeah, I think uh, for me, I'm going to uh, repeat my winner from the last group. I think my winner here is Lionel Messi. He now gets to face Australia. He can probably knock up a few goals. Um, no disrespect for Australia, but I think their their World Cup was qualifying from this group, and I have fears that 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 could be the the one game that is the the biggest win margin of the knockouts, and uh, Messi will be kind of knocking at the door uh, to to bang on the door. How about your loser in this group? <laughs> so I think you you have to go with someone on the Danish team, and I'm gonna go with Skovolsen. Um I just think he's he's horrendous. And I don't want to say he single-handedly kept Denmark from advancing in this group, but he was so bad against Tunisia when he started. Uh, just completely useless. And, um, you know, the problem with Denmark in this in this group was just they couldn't score goals. Um, you know, they, they only scored the one goal. Um, and that's just not enough. So I have to blame somebody, so I'll blame him. Yeah, I think uh, my loser in this group is probably Karim Benzema. Uh, I think there was a lot made of him being injured. He was kind of probably the fourth or fifth kind of fringe players or starting players for France that went out injury injury bug, and uh, France have been fine without them. So uh, I think he's a bit of a loser there. That you know the talk of how much they're going to miss him and and they've done fine without him has just proved how much value does he really add. Um, that that's a discussion for another day though. But yeah, I think Karen Bizzer was sitting at home thinking this was my tournament and uh, he's not there. So we will move on to Group E, uh, which saw Japan surprisingly finishing top, Spain in second, Germany in third, and Costa Rica bottom. This was the group where at one this is the group right where everyone at one point was qualifying, everyone at one point was going out. Um, it was a very exciting final round of games. Um, obviously, Germany getting knocked out is a shock, but I think it's a bigger shock that Japan. Were, were able to squeak into the top spot and I think uh, when we look at the, the knockout route uh, moving forward, that's put them in a, a preferable side of the draw by finishing top um, not that there is once you get to the kind of the later rounds but I think finishing top was big for them uh, I think the the kind of order of the games probably helped them there, I don't know how much Spain were putting into that game um, they'd effectively qualified but didn't really need to do too much so that always helps and I think that's always been a big thing in terms of who you play when and how teams are already done so far um but yeah your thoughts on this group as a whole I think that the most amazing thing if you were to tell me before this tournament began that Japan was going to not just win this group <laughs> but win this group by beating Germany then losing to Costa Rica <laughs> and then beating Spain 
would have just been unfathomable. To <laughs> you know, even the Australia's Australia, you know, getting out of the group would have been five times more likely than that. It's just, yeah. it's insane. I mean, you know, uh, someone who watches Costa Rica and, and Concacaf, this is this is the worst Costa Rican team in many a moon. And you know, we saw, you know, Spain just throttle them in the first game. Yeah. And you know. Japan coming off that fantastic game against Germany where they, you know, Rizzo Duan scored the first goal and they were able to get the second goal and and to come off of that and to somehow lose to Costa Rica in that second game with the late winner and then come back out against Spain, get down an early goal, a beautiful finish by Marata, and then to come back out in that second half and <laughs> steal the game back and, and and talk about a game of two halves. Yeah. I mean Japan I mean Japan was dominated in the first half and then the changes they made to come out in the second half and play the way they did absolutely tremendous and for them to cut top this group was very unlikely and the way they did it is even more unlikely and I just you know hats off to them and I think what we're going to see is you know we continue into the knockout stages. I think we have a nice mix of teams from all around the world. And I think it's important to, to obviously have that. Mm-hmm. And um, I just, you know, I, I just hats off to the Japanese. Um, they just played with, so, they play with so much passion and, and it's just, it's just so, so much fun to watch. Yeah. And I think uh, when you look at Japan and even when we get to, to teams like Korea, those Asian teams, they always seem to have a very good team mentality and then that's what we see with some of these kind of expectant teams like germany they got all the star power they got all these names but they're never really a team you know like not many of these players are playing together but I, there's something about japan i've seen it in korea like they always seem to come and they play as a team they play very well as a team um and it's always impressive and they always seem to make some some level of noise uh, in these tournaments and yeah like you say to finish top is is just wild and the way they did it talk about the hard way uh, they did it the hard way. Uh, who was your your winner in this group? Um, I'm going to go with Ritsu Duan, uh, scoring both of the first goals in both of Japan's two games, I think, um, kind of getting everything going uh, in both games for Japan that they won. I, I'm going to give him the nod there, but just I could give it to the whole Japanese team, honestly. For sure. And I'm going to stick in Japan as well and give it to Taki Minamino uh, as a Liverpool fan. He was much maligned. Uh, people didn't really rate him. He didn't do too well. But I always saw something in him to be part of this squad that's moving on. Uh, he's always smiling. He's always happy. And, and now he's got something to smile about for sure. Uh, who, was, who was your loser in this group? I'm going to go with uh, Nicholas Sula. Um, no, he, <laughs> you know, he's not he's not a right back. So Hansi <laughs> Flick putting a right back was, was so horrific. I mean, a, a big lumbering 6'5", 6'5", 240-pound guy. Yeah. Uh, just, just <laughs> insane to put him in that position, and he was, he was so wretched against Japan, and uh, you know, I, I'm gonna go with him, but I mean, really, just, uh, you know, not that, you know, we don't want to go too much to XG because we know it's not the NLB all, it's, it's for a larger sample, mm-hmm. but um, Germany had the most XG of any team in this tournament so far with 10, 10, 10 <laughs> goals uh, in XG, and to be eliminated the way they were um even though with that last win against costa rica uh i think it has to be disappointed in some of the decisions that they made uh especially coming after the failed world cup in in 2018 um and heading into the euros that are going to be in germany yeah um this is really not the result that they wanted 
Yeah, I think you can you can basically pick anyone from that squad or anyone involved in that squad as a loser. Uh, I'm going to go slightly different here. I'm going to I'm going to pick the fans of the World Cup, uh, the losers here, because this this last round of games, uh, when was it? A couple of days ago or yesterday? Like that's what this is all about. It was so much fun. The, the, the games were both kind of swinging back and forth. Like I say, at one point everyone was qualifying, everyone was out, and and then we already mentioned that with the changing of the format, we we may be losing this. And I think uh, yeah, it's the fans that are going to lose out the most because especially when you're a neutral, I hate to be part of it and, and and tracking other results when you're when you're trying to follow your team but uh just as a neutral watching this last round uh, these last couple of games was uh so much fun and so enjoyable absolutely we will move on to group f um so just for context which i don't think i i mentioned at the onset uh i do now live in toronto so uh and I have, I have a Canadian passport, so maybe if I if I support you as a team, it's probably not a good thing in this World Cup because Canada crashed out and couldn't even scrape a point from anywhere. They couldn't even manage a lucky draw against a team like Wales did. Um, but Morocco end up finishing top, Croatia second, and then Belgium, who just looked like, I don't know, a ghost of their former self, just looked terrible. Um, were lucky that Canada were in their group so that they could finish third and not bottom because Belgium did did nothing and, and did not look good. They were very lucky in that game against Canada. Canada, I felt, dominated that game and you know obviously missed a penalty and uh, missed quite a few chances. And if if you know a couple of those go in early, I don't think Belgium gets a point in this tournament. Yeah, um, you know I, I don't want to brag, but uh, <laughs> Belgium were the Belgium were the team that I didn't think they were going to get out of this group, and uh, a lot of people thought I was crazy. Um, but this is just a team that's past its expiration date. Uh, I've never been a huge fan of, uh, you know, Martinez, um, you know, from even back, you know, with Wigan and then obviously with Everton, um, I just, I don't know. I've, I've never thought he was, I think he's always well-spoken mm-hmm. and he, he knows the game well, but I just, I, I don't always agree with his tactics and I think they'd let him down sometimes. And I th- I just think he made some horrendous decisions. And I think the, 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 the biggest one was starting Eden Hazard in the first two games. Yeah. A guy who doesn't play for Real Madrid, and it's just playing someone because of his name and what he's done, and not what he's going to do going forward. And you know, it, he just he wasn't up to snuff. But even if even if he didn't play him, I just this Belgian team, you know, when you're starting Jan Vertonghen, when you're starting Toby <laughs> out of the belt, it's just a very old team. Those both those players are far past their best. You know, both playing in Belgium now, and I just. You know, I just I just thought Belgium was right for the picking, mm-hmm. but I think what we need to talk about in this group is just uh, how great Morocco was. Yeah. I mean, just uh, you know, I was a little bit worried going into this World Cup about the African sides. I didn't know from everything I'd read there was a lot of pessimism. Mm-hmm. Um, so get to, to, to get a second African team through here, not just through, but you know, into the you know top of the group, and obviously, unfortunately for them, it's Spain's awaiting. But yeah. You know, they clashed in the 2018 World Cup, so their experience with uh, dealing with the Spanish. But I just think the story of Morocco getting through this group with the team that made the World Cup final last year in Croatia mm-hmm. and a Belgium team that everyone still had some high hopes for. <laughs> well, they're still ranked second um, in those very trustful uh, w- world <laughs> rankings that FIFA put together. So, you know. They, they must be doing something right but yeah no absolutely i i completely agree uh and even to give uh 
Croatia some of their flowers they deserve here. I think they looked good as well. You know, you mentioned that they, they got to the final last time and I was worried that much like the Belgian team, maybe this was an aging side that, you know, it was going to be a bridge too far to, to replicate some of that. But I definitely saw some flashes in some of their performances that made me believe that they can still continue to, to do well in this tournament um, and progress and, and to finish second. You know, with how Morocco came out, you would have probably then thought it's between Belgium and Croatia, but that that race didn't even look close, in my opinion. Uh, there was only two teams that were ever going to qualify from this group. Uh, once you start seeing the performances and and how teams are playing, uh, who who are your winners or your winner in this group? Um, I'm gonna go a little. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll say Hakim Ziyech first. Uh, you know, yeah. scoring that pivotal goal early against. Um, you know, it was a goalkeeper error, but he still, you know, was able to to finish it there in the game against Canada that kind of sealed the deal. But um, I also want to just give a slight nod to the Canadian people. Twenty twenty six World Cup uh, matches will be played in Canada as long, yeah. along with the U.S. and Mexico, and I just think this Canadian team is a bit early. But I think in twenty twenty six, they're going to be in the prime with Alphonse Davies and leading the charge. And I, and I think I think the outlook for Canadian soccer should be very positive. I think their manager John Herdman is is fantastic. Uh, you know, I, I would love for him to be the U.S. manager. <laughs> um, and so, you know, you see the zero points; it looks bad, but I think they clearly outplayed Belgium in game one. And I think even against Morocco in the third game, I think they were just they just made a couple blunders, but I think they were every bit as good as Morocco in that game. And then they get thrashed by Croatia. There's no doubt, but you know, I think there's a lot of things to be positive about from Canadian football going forward. For sure. And I think uh, that, that segues nicely into my winner was Alfonso Davies for get, getting that goal against Croatia. I think that was a huge moment for him. And, uh, you know, people who follow football soccer, they, they've heard of him. But I think on a world stage, he may be kind of in the background if you're, if you're not watching the German game or anything. So for him to score on the big stage was great. And he deserved the goal. Uh, he's been great. I know he was injured towards the end of the qualifying, but uh, he's he's a big part of this team. He's young, like you say. Hopefully, he's leading the charge still uh, in 2026. And yeah, it's a young team. On that, I think uh, my only criticism of the Canadian team was consistently playing Hutchinson in, in center of midfield, which I think was mainly for kind of I don't know <laughs> sentimental reason. Uh, I think they had better <laughs> options on the bench. Like he was. He was too slow. He wasn't good enough. Um, I think it cost them in, in the Croatia game because, you know, Canada go up early. They they probably naturally sat back a bit and then Croatia just took over that midfield, uh, which is, is what the Croatian side is very good at. And uh, that's just how they got back into the game very quickly and then scored a couple of quick goals. And, you know, then, then the game was almost out of Canada's reach before they even realized. Uh, so that's my only criticism, but that's a very small criticism. I completely get it. The sentiment, it's like he's got the most caps. He's been there forever. He deserves it. Um, but yeah, I think that would be my only criticism. Uh, your loser in this group. Uh, I mean, there's so many to choose from on the Belgium <laughs> side. But I'm actually going to go to their best player, uh, Kevin De Bruyne. Um, I just think his attitude this tournament, to be frank, sucked. Mm -hmm. uh, he, you know, he was blaming the defenders <laughs> um, after the loss to Morocco. And, you know, he was, you know, I mean, granted, I know he's used to playing with the, the talent at Man City. But he was just, I think, a terrible leader. Um, yeah, he called them all old at I, one I point just, as well. I think. I think he said, yes. like, "We're way too old for this." <laughs> it's like, wait, yes, what are you doing? Stop. It's not what you want to hear when you're still alive in the group after two games. Yeah. And I just think, you know, just a terrible 
leadership job by him. So I'm going to give him, uh, he's going to be my loser. Yeah. He was, he was also my loser. I think, uh, for those reasons, but also the reasons of like, I think he was, he was a bit young when these other players were in their prime and now he's hitting their, his prime at the wrong time when all these other team or other players around him are kind of losing, losing their skill. And I think, yeah, I think his window for this Belgium team ever winning, whether it's the Euros or a world cup is, is closing quickly and beyond him, who are they going to have from this squad in in the next in the next tournament? I don't know. Like it's it's not the it's not the promise that they've had going out in in former tournaments. So yeah, he was he was my loser as well. And we will move on to Group G, which uh, wrapped up today. Uh, for some reason, last uh, I've mentioned this, it it really irritated me that each day the first alphabetical group was the second game, and it doesn't make any logical sense why they did it that way. Um, but yeah, the uh, the games have just wrapped up just as we're recording here. Saw Brazil end up finishing top uh, despite losing to Cameroon in the last game. Switzerland had a battle, and I think it was quite the quite the war. Not to, probably not the best use, use of word there, sorry, but uh, with Serbia at the at the end of the game, um, and they squeak through in in second place. And Cameroon getting that surprise victory, victory actually end up finishing third in this group. Um, you know, the team that looked somewhat dead and buried throughout the tournament managed to manage to finish third and then Serbia sit bottom after after losing to Switzerland what were your uh, your thoughts of this group yeah so I think this group was uh, pretty straightforward um I think the real fun match obviously was Cameroon three Serbia three just uh yeah. an incredible battle and in, in goals galore um and obviously Switzerland Serbia today was also fantastic <laughs> Um, you know, it looked like Serbia might get through there. Um, but I just think that, um, you know, Brazil just very solid at the back, uh, almost like an Italian like approach, mm-hmm. um, only gave up one goal, only scored three goals in a group of teams that are all capable on the attack. <laughs> I thought was just a very workmanlike performance. And, you know, I, I kind of tipped Brazil to win this, um, before the tournament and, you know, no Neymar obviously for two of the three games and, I just thought it was a very workmanlike performance by Brazil. So um, I think I'd be positive if I were them. And then on Switzerland, I think, you know, the other group to, team to advance, I think they're going to be a real tricky out. Um, I think they can be very solid at the back, as, as we saw. Mm-hmm. And I just think that they also have some firepower. We saw when they got down to Serbia today, they still were able to battle back. And yeah. I just think it's a, a, you know, a quality team that people might underestimate going forward. For sure. Yeah. And I think, uh, one of brazil's faults in the past is often is their defense and you know this group stage they were like we're gonna completely flip that script and like you say until today they hadn't even had a shot on target against them um against two teams that that do have firepower as we saw in in the final game and like you say the cameroon game with with serbia as well like there was there was goals to be had um but but brazil were able to shut both switzerland and and Serbia down and then I think uh, they'd obviously taken their foot off the gas a little bit in in this final game not needing really to to do anything and you know made some changes uh yeah I think uh they they now as we look at forward in a moment to the to the group stages I they don't have the most difficult path for a while either um again that's that's what the asterisks of there's no easy path but um you look at some of the teams they now get to face I think uh you know they could be they could be walking towards the final and not have to exude a ton of energy uh you're your winner of this group 
Yeah, this is going to be surprising because they finished bottom, but I'm going to go with the manager of Serbia, Dragan Stojkovic. What a tremendous uh, manager because he has no regard for defense. Attack, <laughs> attack, attack. You know, Vlajovic, Mitrovic up front. He doesn't care. He's just going to attack. And we saw so many great games with them against, you know, two of the three games against Cameroon and Switzerland were two of the three or four best games of the tournament. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, one point, it seems disappointing, but uh, what a lovely way they played. Yeah. Might not be the best for winning. But <laughs> it's great for enjoyment. Yeah, it's uh, yeah. If you're playing for the fans, they definitely do that. Uh, I think my winner here. I'm gonna go with Shakiri getting the goal today, an important goal. Um, again, probably my Liverpool bias coming through. Again, he kind of fell out of favor pretty quickly, but he always had those big games in him. Scored some big goals against Man United over the years, and uh, to come up on the big stage today and, and get a goal, I thought. Uh, big win for him and you know he actually looks i saw him uh here in toronto with chicago fire earlier this year and you know he he looked about twice the size from the time i've seen him before he he seems to have trimmed down a little bit for this world cup as well so uh yeah hopefully he can he can do work some of his magic in in the knockout stages uh who who are your losers or loser in this group uh, I'm just gonna go with Neymar. Not really his fault, but uh, that angle um, when they showed the close-up that looked gnarly. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just, you know, I think it's disappointing just because this was kind of supposed to be his World Cup, and uh, uh, you know, you know, to atone for the past, you know, few chances, especially in 2014, um, and just, um, you know, just I don't know. It's unfortunate. I hope he can be back for the round of 16, but. Um, you know, for Neymar not to score any goals in this group stage, I think has to be mm-hmm. obviously not through his fault because of injury, but uh, I think it has to be disappointing. Yeah, I'm going to have uh, Alexandra Mitrovic as my uh, my loser here. I think he's a great striker. I don't think he's going to be playing for Fulham too much longer after the last year he had and this year, and you know, scored to get great header today. Uh, I think he's he's made for the big stage. Hasn't had a, a club level yet, and uh, Serbia crashing out means he can't continue here. So I think he's my biggest loser of this group uh so uh our final group was uh also wrapped up today group h which saw portugal now my portugal i'm going to call them uh finished <laughs> top south korea finishing second and then uh uruguay after trying to fight their way in the, the end of the last game uh finishing third and, and ghana bottom your your thoughts of this game or this group sorry uh, thank goodness for South Korea. Uh, <laughs> that's my thoughts. Uh, and I think Ghana also added a lot to this group. Um, you know, I, I actually really, I thought Uruguay might win this group, and I, I was really optimistic, but uh, they just were so dour. And mm-hmm. um, even today, when they finally played uh, the Eric and Sata, uh, who scored the two goals, I think that um, they just, they didn't, they weren't, they weren't, they were just too pragmatic, and mm-hmm. I just, I don't think that they um, they they really could have advanced from this group, and I you know they were very close. Obviously, it came down to scoring two less goals in South Korea, um, and I just um, I think it's if you know you're a Uruguay fan, we know that you know how passionate they are, winners of you know two of the first three World Cups, mm-hmm. um, a great soccer nation, despite its size. I think it has to be disappointing to just never feel like they played well this entire even today when they were kind of running it against Ghana I just it was kind of like where has this been the whole the whole <laughs> tournament and they have so much talent with Valverde and Betancourt in that you know midfield and 
you know, some of their antics at the end there, you know, yelling at the referee on, I guess, a penalty that should not have been awarded, in my opinion, at all. Mm-hmm. Um, so just, uh, just you know, I just, you know, Uruguay kind of tarnished my feelings on this group a little bit. But I think South Korea and Ghana played great football. I think Portugal was kind of a messy, especially that first game against <laughs> Ghana, kind of, you know, kind of messy. And even that game against Uruguay was kind of a drought affair. But, um, you know, they progress what you want to do and um, set themselves up in the knockout stages. So I think they should be happy with that. And I think Ghana, you know, I think, you know, Ghana should be a little disappointed because um, they had a chance as well to get through. And they obviously beat Korea, South Korea in that fantastic game. And, you know, when you, when, you know, that was kind of their job, you know, beat if you could find a way to get beat South Korea, you know, your chances of getting out of this group should dramatically increase. And for that to be their only result, I think it's got to be a little bit disappointing for them as well. For sure. And I think uh, just to go back to Uruguay, I think, you know, if you don't score a goal until the final game and then you go out on goal difference, you got to question what was going wrong in those first couple of games. Uh, they got some firepower up top and, and they just didn't score. And I feel like they've only got themselves to blame. And like you say, their antics, you know, Suarez being Suarez, they they give you plenty of reason to not want them to win or do well. Uh, they're not fun to watch. They they kind of, and by fun to watch, I mean just like it's a, a lot of nastiness and, and stuff that doesn't need to happen. And it's just, uh, yeah, getting up in the rest. You, you're getting yellow cards when you've already been eliminated. Like that's just impressive at this point um, and unnecessarily. And you just got to, sometimes you got to lose graciously. And, and that's something Uruguay never do well. Uh yeah, and to your point about Portugal, I think they, they did what they needed to do. They haven't really impressed uh, like Portugal often do <laughs> in these tournaments. Is you know Again, it comes down to name power, but not really delivering. And yeah, Korea, I think, uh, are a fun team, and uh, I was glad they went through. Uh, just uh, before we get onto the winners and losers of this group, how much do you think uh, the order of, order of play, having uh, Korea play Portugal today came into knocking Uruguay out do you think if the the games happen in a different order and I know this is obviously all hypothetical but I think that probably helped South Korea having to play Portugal who are kind of winding down a bit absolutely I think when you look at all these groups I think when you look at um Tunisia getting France last Mm -hmm. uh in this particular group South Korea getting Portugal last and then I think there was one other one to oh Brazil um with Cameroon, right. this is the only time where it actually impacted who advanced from the group. Um, with South Korea getting that advantage, so I definitely do think it helped yeah. um, getting Portugal last. But I do think the South Koreans, the style of play that they have, will frustrate Portugal no matter what. And so, you know, I think I think it was a great job by South Korea getting down a goal and coming back. And and, and to be fair, I mean Uruguay knew for the whole second half that they were going to need another goal right. if South Korea were able. So. For them to play so defensive <laughs> in the second half, I think it was just an error until they realized, until, you know, South Korea finally got that late goal. They finally realized, oh, crap, you know, for the last <laughs> 10 minutes, let's throw everything up. But it was just too late. Yeah, for sure. So uh, that kind of wraps things up for the, for the group stage. Like you say, we're, we're saying goodbye to this group stage as we know it. Uh, Sad. It's uh, it's not going to be the same. I, I, I hope I saw uh, we were in a group chat and I saw earlier that someone was mentioning there's still talks that maybe they will still keep it as groups of four and maybe have a couple of third place teams advance. I think I don't love that concept, but I love that more than groups of three where two go through. Like wow. that's just basically uh, that's just terrible in my mind. Um, well, 
and, and not just that, when you have a group of three, and we can obviously discuss this along the way, but, uh, you know, what the heck is going to happen? Like, the first team is just going to sit there for three days, <laughs> and they're going to have to play back-to-back, and then... Yeah. I just, you know, of course you want to play that first game, because then you could get a break, you know? So I just... I think it's just such garbage. I really hope they reconsider. And if any, if any country can handle the amount of stadiums necessary, it's the United States of America. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. And also, and, and you know, it's like someone who whose team, after you know, <laughs> so long, finally make a World Cup for the first time in your lifetime. Um, you know, how like you know, three games is not even a lot. But you know, just to see their team play twice and then you're out, like. Yeah. It's like you made the World Cup, but it doesn't even feel like you made the World Cup. Well, and depending on your group and and the order of the games, you could have played one game which you lose, and then before you play your second game, you're already out. <laughs> like, do you know what I mean? Like, it, it, you just like, it, it, yeah. For fans, I don't think it works. For excitement of viewing and TV, I don't think it works. And even for the the expansion, I understand it, but you know keep it at 32 wales making it this time you feel special like yeah we made it we made the format whereas now you know they expand it they're introducing more teams it's the same with the euros as well it's like i don't know how special it is to like well yeah we didn't qualify for years and years and years and then they let like an extra 10 teams in so now we're good like it's kind of it it just takes away from some of that as well um uh, but i i i slightly disagree with you on terms of the euros because I think those competitions, almost everybody should make it. That should be when you celebrate all the teams in the in the confederation. Um, like, for instance, in uh, Common Bowl, almost all 10 teams make it. Right. So I just, I do like it. Like, even with the 24 teams, right, it's not necessarily an accomplishment. But, you know, you give a chance for players on Scotland and Wales right. and Northern Ireland. And, you know, you at least give those countries something to, to aim for every four years. So, I, you know, I do think it is nice to, to have bigger you know, confederation tournaments and keep the World Cup for, you know, the best 32 countries if possible. That's fair. Okay, so we'll uh, now take a quick look ahead to what we have coming up over the next few days, the the round of 16. Uh, I don't know if I have my list here is in the order of when they're actually happening. Um, So forgive me. I have that list. You have that list? Okay, Uh, I'll let you, uh, you kick things off so we do it in the correct order. All right, perfect. Uh, First game tomorrow uh saturday morning at 10 a.m united states of america against the netherlands uh the men in orange what are your thoughts on this one i think this has one nil written all over it uh i don't see it being a goal fest uh necessarily which means now it'll probably be like bet the over five goals or something now that i've said that but uh yeah i think uh we touched on this a bit in the group stage i think the u.s uh have a real good shot against the netherlands i i've not been impressed by them uh they got a solid defense but even virgil van dyke he's like he's not had the best year so far for liverpool he's not i don't think he's quite at his peak at the moment um and yeah i think there's there's ways that you can stop the netherlands from scoring um and the u.s they've got youth on their side they've got a lot of young kind of excited players that want to make a name for themselves and i think this is the perfect opportunity so uh i think i'm gonna i'm gonna pick the u.s to win this um not to kind of play to to your fandom but i think uh yeah i think they can scrape it i think it's going to be close and i think they can get that one goal uh either towards the end of the game or even maybe you know extra time uh, and you know i think it's uh yeah u.s how about you 
Yeah, so this is a game where it's weird because, like, if the, if the U.S. scores an early goal, I'm not going to feel comfortable at all. <laughs> I'll, I'll almost feel more uncomfortable. Um, you know, I think the Netherlands we've discussed, the, you know, they're they're attacking. You know, Cody Grappo has been fantastic. <laughs> so can he find something? Um, you know, obviously have Memphis Depay uh, up front as well. The United States, we know that they struggle to score goals, and in, in um, and they've only conceded one, obviously, to the Gareth Bale penalty kick. So. Um, I think this. I think you, you're basically spot on when you say it could go either way. It's going to be t- rough and tumble. I just think based on the odds, I think you have to take the United States. I mean, you know, basically United States win or draw within 90 is basically even odds to the Dutch winning. And I think mm-hmm. that's a bit of an overstatement. I think this is much more 55-45 Netherlands-USA opposed to, uh, you know, anything greater than that. Um so, look, I'm not necessarily optimistic about the U.S.'s chances, but, you know, to come in second in a group and to get the Netherlands as your number one, you know, team in another group, I think you have to you have to be pleased with that. And there's really no reason why the United States can't win. For sure. And I think uh, the odds in this knockout stage, uh, I feel, are always broken um, in every World Cup. They always look at, you know, the team name the players names they don't look at how teams have necessarily done in the tournament so far or kind of what form they're in and, and how they're playing and uh, i think the netherlands are, are favored here on on name value alone more than kind of what we've seen to this point uh, which which matchup is uh, the afternoon game tomorrow it will be lionel messi against the Socceroos. so i i i, I uh I alluded to this a little bit earlier. I think uh, this is... I, I can't see this being an upset. I think this is the bridge too far for the Socceroos. Uh, I just hope they can give a good outing, be keep it respectable, but I can also see this probably being the biggest win margin when I go through all the other matchups that we have here. Uh, I think this is the time uh, where one team could just, just run away with the game, score some quick early goals, and then just dictate play the rest of the way. Uh, your thoughts on this matchup? Uh, complete agreement. This is the one, the one of the eight matches in the court in the round of 16 where I just I can't even fathom how <laughs> this game. It doesn't mean they can't play solid defense and somehow get a nil-nil and win in penalties or something. I mean, look, <laughs> we don't have to go. But last World Cup, Croatia, Denmark played around the 16. Croatia wins in penalties. They wind up going to the, the to the final. So, you know. Anything can happen, and and anybody can struggle with anybody at this stage. But this is really the one match I'd be shocked if if the Australians uh, somehow managed to get through. It, it would it wouldn't quite be Saudi Arabia over Argentina, <laughs> but it would be almost to that level. Yeah, and I wonder them getting that kind of shock defeat to Saudi Arabia out their system is probably good for them uh, in the long run. You know, like they've had that disappointing result, and it was at a time that ended up not mattering. So, uh, yeah, I, I don't see any other result here. Uh, so which matches do we have on uh, Sunday? Uh, on Football Sunday. Um, the early match at 10 a.m. Eastern time will be France against Poland. Um, I just think this is... If you're going to miss one game at this World <laughs> Cup in this knockout stage, I think this would be the one. Not because I don't think Poland can necessarily win. I just I think the only way Poland wins is if it's nil-nil. Um, you know, maybe they got a penalty and they could scrape out a one-one or something. But I just I mean the, the way we've seen Poland play has been so dour. I think 
they offer nothing, even with Lewandowski, they offer almost nothing going forward. Um, this French team with Deschamps can also be kind of defensive. Um, and I just, you know, I think this might be the ugliest of all the games. And I don't know. I, I, you know, obviously we want every game to be good, but I think this would aesthetically would probably be the worst of the eight that we're getting in the round of 16. Yeah, for sure. I, I can't say much more to that. I think the only positive we might have was, was some of the French stars were able to take a rest in their last group game and, you know, played limited minutes. So they'll come in fresh, whether that means it'll be exciting. I don't think poland will want it to be exciting like you say the only way they're going to win is to really grind this out and that's going to be all they try to do um yeah i I have france winning but like you say i I don't think it's going to be the most thrilling of games yep absolutely so the next game on sunday afternoon at two o'clock so in the united states going right up against the nfl (laughs) is the queen's team england against senegal uh and a real clash of styles (laughs) what are your as a uh, fellow former, <laughs> I guess I guess you're still always a member of the British Isles. How do you feel about this matchup? Yeah, I think, uh, like you said, it's it's a clash of stars. I think uh, I mentioned when we were going over the group games that I th- England would have been better suited facing the Netherlands. I think Senegal are going to be quick. They're going to be um, they they've got some skill. They can knock the ball around. They're also going to be very kind of aggressive and really push England, I think. And the thing is with England and having grown up there, watched them, um, enjoyed some of their shortcomings sometimes just because people like to make fun of me for not supporting them. So when they lose, it was always fun to kind of give it, give some of that back. But I think they'll get, if, if this is still nil-nil after like 75 minutes, England will get in their own head and they'll start thinking, oh, here we go again. This is our problem. Uh, And then Senegal, you know, they got some strength. They got some physicality. And I think they will not make this game comfortable for England at all. I think it'll be a fun watch. Um, England have got goals. I think Senegal, even even without Mane, uh, have showed that they've they've got some kind of goals in them and some creativity. So uh, I think England progress. I think uh, I would be way too biased to, to predict it another way, but I don't think it's going to be a comfortable game for them. No, I, I would generally agree. I think we're still, I mean, it sounds great as you have a team that made the Rieros and made the semifinals of the World Cup four years ago to still have questions about them, <laughs> but um, you know, I just, you know, Gareth Southgate, you know, we don't have to go too much into it, but he tends to be very defensive, and when you look at this team, there's <laughs> there's like one weakness in Harry Maguire, <laughs> But, I mean, other than that, I mean, this team is so, so good. And, in fact, that Phil Foden plays on the bench, I think, is insane. Mm-hmm. But it's still a fact. It's not like, you know, Southgate is playing a bunch of, you know, <laughs> you know, he's not playing a bunch of, you know, bad players. Mm-hmm. You know, he's still playing unbelievably talented players. But, uh, you know, and there's so much talent. I mean, we could go on and on about Saka, Rashford, <laughs> Foden, obviously, Harry Kane leading the line, um, the midfield. I mean, it's just incredible. And, you know, I think they'll get through Senegal, but, you know, Gareth Southgate is going to have to be better than he was against United States in that second game. Um, you know, putting Jordan Henderson as your first sub is kind of nuts <laughs> in a nil-nil game when, you you know, not that you needed the, you know, needed the win, but it could have helped. And um, I just, I, I just worry he's overly defensive. There's a real path for the English here. I mean, this isn't quite as easy as their draw last World Cup or even 
in the Euros. Mm. But this is really an area that they could make a big, a big run. We know that they have the talent. It's just a matter of, are they actually going to do it? Are they going to play more freely? And I don't want to completely crap on Southgate because he's done a great job um, overall in terms of kind of putting those bygones in the past and really growing this younger English team through, um, you know, all the, you know, we know how the English press is and just the fandom and the negativity that can constantly arouse at any point. So I don't want to just completely crap on Southgate because I think he's done a very good job when it comes to that stuff off the field um, and creating unity. Um, and I think this English team, you know, plays for each other. It's so much different than those mid 2000s English team. And, and this team is so talented. So it's going to be fun to see if he can unleash this and, and they can make kind of their magical run. For sure. For sure. Um, so the next game that will be on Monday morning for us in the United States and, and Canada will be an interesting, an interesting matchup, I think, here with Japan against the defending runner-up in Croatia. What are your thoughts on this one? I think uh, this has the potential be, to be the most fun game of the knockout. I think uh, I think it's going to be exciting. If you if you look at how Croatia played uh, for the majority, bar the kind of first 10 minutes of the Canada game, uh, they got some exciting midfield players. Uh, they got some good wide players. I, I think they are fun. And I think Japan are always fun. We've talked about that in, in the group stages. Uh, I think Croatia can probably... They've they've got the experience, like you say, they were runners up last time. They've been here before. Um, I think maybe that's what prevails. Uh, and I think Modric uh, is going to be key. This is probably his last World Cup, even though I feel like I thought that last World Cup that he he wouldn't be at this one, and uh, here he is. But I think uh, if he kind of turns it on, I think they can dictate that midfield. Uh, but I, I think it's going to be a fun watch. I think t- both teams are going to want to score and and play attacking football here. Oh, uh, yeah. Um, uh, yeah, I think I think it'll be interesting because I think both teams kind of like playing a teams that like to attack so they can counterattack more effectively. Uh, but they both have attacking weapons that they can initiate the attacks. So I think it'll be interesting to, to see how teams these two teams that kind of like to play similarly, what kind of game we get. Um, yeah, I mean, I think I, I basically agree with their sentiments there. I don't think... Uh, anything uh i think it'll be a fun game i think this is probably on paper the most even of all the games and i think it'll be very interesting um on monday morning to see who progresses and then the second game later on is um one of the two matchups that does not feature a european team it will be brazil against south korea uh, any early thoughts on this one with Brazil obviously is the heavy favorite? Uh, yeah, I think uh, it's Brazil's game to lose, obviously. Um, I think Korea could probably make it fun. They've they've got some attacking prowess, but I think uh, overall with how Brazil have pay, played to this point, um, barring today, uh, like I say, where they, they took the foot off the gas and, and made some changes, I think they have too much star power for Korea. Uh, I think they progress. I think they steady the ship they they've only conceded the one goal today uh i think they they go back to their tight defense and then they've just got a lot of, of goals uh in the midfield and, and attack so i think it's it's just uh it's going to be a struggle for for south korea what are your thoughts no no i, I uh largely agree um this is kind of the half of the draw that only has two european teams and they're croatia and the netherlands <laughs> Um, so not the highest quality um, teams of Europe. 
and so yeah i think you know that this is a great pathway for brazil i think south korea is a bit tricky um in the sense that um you know i think they just play with a great unity and um they have him on <coughs> top who can score um and just create magic for somebody else as well mm-hmm. um as we've seen where he hasn't even scored a goal yet in this tournament um and they've still you know done so well so um i think this will be a you know just, it, it, i think this is a fun watch i think a lot of people are kind of discounting South Korea and saying Brazil's going to win. But in none of the games so far, I mean, Brazil has scored a single goal in the first half or given up a goal in the first half. So if they do that in this match as well, I think the second half could really be, you know, squeaky bum time for the Brazilians because mm-hmm. it, it won't take much, as, as much firepower as the Brazilians have. It won't take much, I think, for South Korea to, to you know, just tip this one. Um, and then uh, the the Tuesday matches coming up next. Uh, I think these are both kind of very fascinating matches. Uh, a lot of Iberian countries. <laughs> uh, the first match will be Morocco against Spain. They obviously played um, in the 2018 World Cup. Um, neighbors, very, very close to each other. Uh, a little bit of a rivalry, uh, as you normally have against uh, countries so geographically close to you. Um, I think this is an interesting matchup. Thoughts? Yeah, I think uh, it's going to depend which Spain shows up. Uh, I think, uh, you know, the first the first game they win 7-0. They look kind of like the Spain of old, uh, just going to pass the ball around, score a goal, get the ball back, pass it around, score a goal. Um, they look like that a lot against Germany, I thought, as well, kind of for the first half. And it was once I said, oh, the Spain team's looking really good, then Germany scored and got back into it. And then they haven't looked quite as impressive since. They got quite a young team. Um Morocco, we touched on in, in the group stages, have looked very good. So I think this has the makings um, alongside uh, my Croatia-Japan prediction of being one of the better games. I think this also has the potential to be a really fun game. Um, attacking football, trying to score. Um, and yeah, I think it's really going to depend. The, the, the Spain kind of hit on all cylinders and and kind of score too many and just just win that way through pure, pure goal power um or do they have one of the days where the slick passing is is slightly off and and that will let morocco come in uh your thoughts on this one uh yeah i, I basically agree i think we've seen spain play four great halves at this tournament and they play two very mediocre yeah. halves um and they can't afford to do that against morocco um at any point in this group stage and you know we know spain can dominate possession they will dominate possession um can they score a goal and if they do are they going to get off the gas or are they going to continue to try to score more and more and i think we didn't i don't think mention this in the group stage but um and, and this won't necessarily matter going forward but luis enrique claimed that uh he had no idea what was going on in the germany costa rica game <laughs> uh which is just insane because that's there was a point when they were yeah. out of the tournament when Costa Rica was winning. So to not be aware of that is just insane. And I just think it kind of speaks to kind of like a level of arrogance right. um, that could really cost them uh, in a matchup like this. So sure. it'll be interesting. Yeah. And I think the last match I think is, in my opinion, might be the, the closest match, even though the odds disagree. I think Portugal-Switzerland is, is somewhat similar to U.S.-Netherlands and how this will be set up. But uh, let's get your thoughts first. Yeah, I agree. I think, uh, you know, 
the, the the odds are here are definitely made on the fact that Cristiano Ronaldo is still a name associated with Portugal, but is not very good. Um, I think uh, if he doesn't play, Portugal are usually better. Uh, they're better off without him, similar to how Man United have been uh, before he walked out the door. Um, but the Swiss have true potential to really frustrate this Portuguese team um, and really grind it out. I think if the Swiss win, they're not going to win three nil or anything like that they're going to grind it out they're going to nick a goal they're going to take it to extra time or penalties um which switzerland love love a good penalty shootout in in knockout tournaments so uh yeah i think if i was going to bet on any of these going to penalties i i would probably say this game your thoughts on this one? Oh, i think that's a fair fair uh encapsulation of what could happen here uh, I think switzerland's a very good side they're very difficult to break down like i said they can score on the counter I really don't think this is the team that you want to play if if you're the Portugal and you won the group. You'd much rather play a team like Serbia where you can play more defensive and have attacking because all Serbia does is attack. Or, or even a Ghana, who I think... Uh, not a Ghana, um, uh, Cameroon, who I think Portugal could have preferred. I think this is a really tough matchup for the Portuguese. I think this is another one where I would take the half goal in Switzerland right now and run. <laughs> uh, I think that's a good bet. And... Um, I think this is one that um, I, I think could go really either way, and I think, you know, when you, you know, if you if you want to pull up the bracket, we can maybe just talk a little yeah. bit uh, for a couple minutes about the bracket. But the way this bracket shaped up, we really have a top half that is kind of all countries throughout the world. There's only two European countries. There's three Asian countries when you include Australia, and then there's two South American powerhouses in Brazil and Argentina. Yeah who look like they're on a fast track to meet in the semifinals. And on the bottom half, you have all the European teams. You have six European teams, all of the major contenders you would consider, yeah. along with two African sides that surprise in Senegal and Morocco. So I think on this top half, I think I think it's a little bit more unexpected because these teams aren't as used to each other. They play very different styles. You know, we have, uh, you know, Argentina, the heavy favorite, obviously. Um, you know, United States, Netherlands, you know, can either team really score that much? Japan, Croatia, kind of, uh, you know, we talked about earlier. So I just think this this top half of this draw, it's all setting up for Brazil, Argentina. Mm -hmm. I mean, when it, it just flashes, that's going to be the semifinal, Brazil, Argentina. And how awesome would that and tremendous would that be? And uh, I think it's going to be interesting to see if any of the other sides can play a spoiler. Can Japan, can South Korea, can Croatia, can the can Netherlands, can any of these teams make a massive semifinal mm -hmm. and, you know, change? I, I think this, I think the top half is, it's, it's kind of yeah. fun. Yeah, for sure. And I think uh, if, uh, I don't know if we want to do exact winner picks right now, but I, I think my winner comes out of this top half. I think when you look at the teams in, in the bottom half, like you said, the European teams that are used to each other, um, they're going to grind out results. I think they're going to just wear each other down all the way to the final so whoever makes it is just going to be exhausted whereas i think the the upper half of the draw um it just seems like there's it's going to be less physical more fun um and kind of yeah that kind of expansive type of football and i i think the winner comes from that top half and it's like you say it's a lot more exciting it's a lot more matchups we've never seen before or don't often see uh teams mixing with each other whereas yeah the bottom half is you know if you if you take out the two african teams it's basically games we've seen in the past at euros or in qualifying and teams that know each other and uh not to say it's not going to be fun you know we could potentially be having an england france 
Spain Portugal quarterfinal, and then the winner of that being the semi final, which I'm 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 all here for that. But I also think uh, they uh, they they batter each other a bit too much. If if FIFA could get uh, those those four teams to win <laughs> uh, in the quarterfinals and then have the the possibility of uh, Brazil Argentina in the sem, oh my uh. goodness, they would just uh, bankroll it. But uh, so in the uh, is there a team in the top half that you think uh, other than obviously Brazil and Argentina? What other team do you think could make maybe make a surprise run to the semifinals? Uh, I could see it being. If I'm looking, at, I think Croatia. I don't know if that's a, an outlandish is. Uh, as the take because they obviously made the last final I think um, the problem I see with Croatia is like I say they're a bit of an aging team so as the tournament goes on uh, how much are they going to feel the effects of that uh, but a, a fun team that I see pushing through uh, if, if they can get past Croatia I think Japan can have a bit of fun uh, and I can see them um, if, if Brazil beat South Korea and then, and then Japan meet Brazil in the quarter I think they can play spoiler for like you say the crash course uh, how about you is it your uh, your homeland usa <laughs> <laughs> um um no I, I i wouldn't mind saying that i just don't think uh they can score enough but um yeah it's honestly really hard for me i just it just strikes me as brazil 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 uh, argentina yeah. honestly i think that uh i think you kind of called it I, I could see maybe japan making the surprise beating beating brazil in the quarterfinals but I, I, it just strikes me as brazil argentina um in this bottom section i think it's not necessarily more open because you know there's the two powers up top but in this in this bottom section i think all these teams are pretty even honestly is there any team that you look at and say yeah i like this team to kind of make a final run i think uh it's the obvious would be would be france obviously one of the favorites if not the favorite going into the tournament um uh, it pains me to say, but I think England. I think I can see England winning this tournament. Uh, you mentioned it as we were talking about the game and about Southgate. Like they, they have the team. Like you wouldn't be surprised if you name an eleven from this England squad and say they won the World Cup. Like you wouldn't be surprised. There's no kind of weak link. There's no real issues. So I think, uh, like I say, as as much as it pains me to say, and I much prefer a Senegalese victory this weekend. Uh, I I think England are the, are the team to watch in that bottom half. How about you? I mean, I I almost want to say Switzerland here. Um, <laughs> That's fun. Could maybe do like a Croatia and make a, a shock run to the final. I just I just like the team a lot. I think it's really solid, and I think you know, to you know, Spain is obviously a powerhouse, and that could be the quarterfinal matchup. I just if I had to pick one team here, it's Switzerland. But I mean, I, I didn't even really didn't really sink in. But the way you just said it, I mean, if we get England, England, France, and then the all Iberian Portugal, Spain, <laughs> I mean, that would just be it's like a mini Euro. So it would be like a Euro semifinal yeah. there, and uh, you know, I think that would be absolutely tremendous. And then up top, I think, you know, we talked about it, and you know, I think we're just kind of trying to will it into existence. But that Brazil Argentina semi, and then I think the fun thing is the final will will be a continental battle yeah. you know probably either one of brazil and argentina up top against one of these four or five or six i mean i i, I mean i don't think there's any way poland makes it but those other five uh, european teams I, I wouldn't be shocked if any of them made the final i think that would be just a great battle of styles in the final yeah i, I and i also wouldn't be surprised if morocco were in the semi-final like if they if they can get the victory against spain and then they play the winner of uh portugal switzerland who 
yeah, I think Morocco then then could be seeing themselves in, in the semi-final. I like what I've seen from them. I think they're good. And uh, they're also a team that a lot of these teams don't play very often, right? So it's uh, it's it's always fun when you see those matchups. And I think it's always harder uh, when you see those matchups. So I think if, if there's going to be a shock team to progress from the bottom half, I, I would put my money on Morocco. Yeah, I mean, like I said, I, I've been very impressed with them. I kind of like them pre-tourney. And, um, you know, <laughs> I think... Uh, I think the beauty of the knockout stage is that literally one goal changes it all. I mean, besides Australia, Argentina, there's not one game that would surprise me if it went the other way. And I just, I think we're, we're in, we're in for the next week or two. I think we're really in for a, a lot of excitement. And I think as we've seen every, not one team got nine points on the three group stages, obviously Portugal, Brazil, um, rested guys along with, um, even Spain, I guess, to some extent. Um, but I do think that um, there's not necessarily one dominant team in this World Cup, and I just think that um, I think we're there's a lot of fun ahead for us. For sure, for sure. Um, so that being said, uh, hopefully people listen to this before we either sound like complete geniuses or complete idiots um, with some of the things we've predicted or said here. Um, anything else to say before, before we wrap things up today? Uh... Go go USA! I mean, uh, that's all I really have at this point. I uh, I emptied the bucket. I, I I've I've got to say I've watched like ninety five percent of these matches live <laughs> every second, and then the other five percent I've obviously watched in in um on you know replay or in delay time. And I just it's the beauty of the World Cup. It's just the perfect tournament. It's a month long celebration of the beautiful game of football and. You see all these different cultures, all these different moments that we've seen from Saudi Arabia to Australia, um, and it's just it's great to see um, just so many different cultures and so many different people from all across this planet um, just enjoy the same game mm-hmm. at the same time. And I, I just think that um, it's just really beautiful, and I I really hope that whatever comes in 2026 with the expansion doesn't ruin this because. Um, this is just a perfect tournament and um you know for a month you you just you just watch football and even though it's not necessarily the highest level i mean champions league is is higher level there's many leagues in 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 europe that from week to week you'll see better matches but you can't match the the passion and the and then you know just the, the beauty of of country versus country of brazilians and south koreans from completely diametrically opposed <laughs> regions of the world coming together um to play and, and watch you know people from their country um play soccer and or football or whatever the hell you call it wherever you are and i just think it's uh it's really magical for sure and i could not have said that better myself so i think that's uh, the f- perfect way to end episode one of our, our wrong foot podcast uh i think uh we'll aim to probably connect again and do something after the round of 16 and then we can round up those matches and and look forward to the the quarterfinals and beyond and yeah thanks joe thanks for taking the time been fun to chat uh it's been a fun tournament so far and and hopefully that continues and i'll speak to you soon Absolutely, sir. Take it easy.